Good morning, brothers and sisters. Um, I hadn't intended to be Zooming the sermon uh, again in the near future, but due to some minor medical um, issues, I decided that discretion was the better part of valor, so better to tape it in advance than have to run out in the middle of a sermon. So without uh, any further details, uh, let's enjoy some time in God's Word together. It's kind of a weird time to be talking about hope. Even though I'm convinced that Paul was right when he said that it's super important. What's the point of hope when a loved one has died and our spiritual family has lost a lot of loved ones recently? It's kind of a done deal at that point, right? Whatever was going to happen has happened. What do you need hope for at that point? And yet, and yet, sometimes it is at those times that we need hope the most. Most of you know that Nancy will be having neck and spinal surgery soon. My spiritual self is calm, but my emotional self is all over the map. I'm having trouble focusing and concentrating. Other things just don't seem that important, although I know they are. And typically, I'm not a worrier. I tell folks all the time to ask themselves in tough times, what's the lesson that God wants me to learn here? And so in the midst of all the preparation and uncertainties and unanswered questions about what's coming up with Nancy, I have to ask myself the same question. What's the lesson God wants me to learn here? when I'm supposed to be strong for everybody else. And what's the role of hope? One of the three things that according to Paul are supposed to endure. What is hope anyway? Usually we define hope as the outcome I want to happen, but it is in no way guaranteed. Did you pass the test? Well, I hope so. Did that cop see you speeding? Well, I hope not. Are you going to heaven? Well, I hope so. Was Jesus really raised from the dead? Well, I hope so. Can you hear the uncertainty embedded in all those answers? Well, that's not what biblical hope is. One biblical scholar defines hope as trustful expectation, particularly with reference to the fulfillment of God's promises. Biblical hope is the anticipation of a favorable outcome under God's guidance. More specifically, hope is the confidence that when God, what God has done for us in the past, that that guarantees our participation in what God will do in the future. This contrasts to the world's definition of hope as a feeling that what is wanted will happen. Another scholar says that instead of wishful thinking, hope is, again, the expectation of a favorable future under God's direction. In the Old Testament, typically, 
the way that the word hope is used, it's to wait or to expect, to be in uh, full of confidence about what God is going to do. It's to trust, like we talked about last week in our definition of faith. In the New Testament, sometimes hope is used in the vague, uncertain way that too often we use it today. Luke 24:21 refers to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, lamenting that we had hoped that he, Jesus, was the one who was going to redeem Israel. They weren't, that doesn't sound very confident, does it? And in John 5, verse 45, Jesus replies to the Jews that it is Moses who accuses you on whom you set your hope. Again, their hope, their wish fulfillment was very, very tentative. But then we get to Paul's writings, and hope takes on a new certainty. So we're going to be starting in Romans chapter 5, uh, verse 1. I know we've been not using slides for a couple of weeks, but we can do it this morning, so sure, why not? Romans 5, beginning in verse 1. If you have your Bibles, feel free to turn, but they will be on the slides. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Notice it does not say that hope will not disappoint us, but hope does not, present tense, disappoint us. Because God has, again, present tense, not future tense. Because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Not wishful thinking, but fixed expectation of what? That the God who has been faithful in the past, not just in the biblical period, but during our own lives, the God who has been faithful in the past will follow through on the promises that he has made to us. Our hope is based on our answer to the question, is God faithful to us or not? Not are we faithful to him, but is God faithful to us or not? Not always what we want, certainly not, but is God working for our good all the time, even when we don't see or understand it? So hope, as I implied last week, has to be based on the foundation of faith, that rock-solid trust in the God who makes and then keeps his promises to those who came before us, to us, and to our children's children. And so we embark on a very short little survey of hope in the book of Romans. If you'll turn from Romans 5 to Romans 8, beginning in verse 22. 
He's just been talking about the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And unless you have the Spirit, you do not belong to Christ. But if you do have the Spirit, our mortal bodies are going to be transformed. And it's a glorious passage. And he picks up at verse 22 saying, it's not just about us personally. We know, verse 22, that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pangs of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, what we just talked about, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons and daughters. And what is that, the, uh, what is that adoption? The redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. And then he makes a real interesting point about the meaning, the definition of the word hope. He says, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? Verse 25, but if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. And that's the hard part, isn't it? The waiting for it patiently part. I don't want to want, uh, I don't want to have to have hope. I want what I want and think I need now. But when I assume that posture, who's God and who is sovereign? When I want what I want, when I want it now. It's interesting, but part of maturity and growing up is learning to trust over the long haul. Delayed gratification, I think it's called. And God, the loving Heavenly Father, is very interested in us moving towards maturity, isn't he? God does not want to be pushing his shopping cart through the holy halls of heaven and us throwing a three-year-old temper tantrum at not getting our way. Yes, it's an interesting image, isn't it? God has promised us good things. Do we trust him enough in this life to believe that he is in control, that he's got this, and that we can surrender to his will? We keep going in Romans chapter 15, verse 12. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will spring up the one will arise to rule over all the nations, the Gentiles, not just the Jews, but the Gentiles will hope in him. And then he goes on after that quote, quotation from the Old Testament. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We switch now to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 5 through 8. And continuing that same theme that he started in Romans chapter 15, Paul says, You are all sons of the light and sons and daughters of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate, 
and the hope of salvation as a helmet. It is the job of faith and love to protect our hearts, but it is the hope of salvation, health, rescuing that is to be our helmet and to protect our thinking, our intellect, our reasoning. So hope is what sustains us. It helps us to be patient. And I need all the help I can get. Anybody naturally good at being patient? Yeah, I'm not one of them. But hope helps me, teaches me, instructs me, and empowers me to wait on the Lord and to be patient. Almost done. So we've talked about what hope is. We've talked about kind of the function that hope serves. And now I want us to talk about what grace and hope should motivate us to do and to be. And we're going to be reading from Titus chapter 2, uh, Titus 2, 11 through 14. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. That grace of God teaches us to say no, to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live, and here it is again, self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age while we wait, while we wait for the blessed hope. And what is that blessed hope? The glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. That's our hope. That's our ultimate hope. Verse 14, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. First John picks up the same theme in chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. And so just follow along. John says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it didn't know him either. Beloved, we are God's children, not in the future, now. We are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes, there it is, everyone who thus hopes in him purifies themselves as he is pure. A motivation for right behavior. That we will be distinctive, that we should even in this life be distinctive and special, just like Jesus was distinctive and special, because we will be like him. So we might as well start acting the part now. That's what hope should produce in us. That's what hope should motivate us to act like and to become. And at no extra charge, wait, there's more, and no extra charge, we have one last hope scripture because it is just that good. 
So we turn to 1 Peter. We've looked at Paul. We've looked at John. We've looked at all these other books. And now we finally get to Peter. And in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, in Peter's words, he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has, present tense, given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. If there was a resurrection, we now have a living hope. If there was no resurrection, we don't have a living hope. So it all is predicated on what God did, past tense, to give us new birth into a living uh, hope right now. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, verse 4, and into an inheritance. In, that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. Think your way, uh, your way through what Peter just said there. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Praise God, the Father. And which Father? The Father of our Lord and Master, Jesus, the Chosen One, the Messiah. In his great mercy, God the Father has, has given us a new birth. Have you experienced the new birth? A new birth into a living hope. How'd that happen? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And as a result of that, part of that living hope is an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade kept in heaven for you. Brothers and sisters, don't take your eyes off the prize. Brothers and sisters, be patient because of hope. Be eager to do what is good based on hope. Praise be to the great God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because of hope. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you raised Jesus from the dead. I thank you that through his resurrection that we can be born again into a living hope and that we are promised an eternal inheritance that can never fade, it can never uh, spoil, it can never perish. It is there guaranteed for us and for our loved ones and for those going through tough times and for those who are grieving. Father, help us to know in whom to put our hope. Our faith is in you. And based on that faith, we can have that, uh, that hope that expectation of future fulfillment that is guaranteed based on the fact that you keep your promises. Father, help us to live victorious lives this week as we commit ourselves to your service. In the name of Jesus, amen.